So the election is done and dusted almost, actually not quite, because they're still <laughs> counting some votes. Mm, probably some of those votes seem to be taking ages as well, don't they? Yeah, well, it's all the whole postal thing and mm. remoteness and the size early of yeah, voting and early yeah. voting. I believe they seem to be fairly confident about most of the results and the fact that there's going to be a Labour government in New South Wales for yeah. the first time in 12 years. And nobody really saw the size of that victory, did they? No, everybody was talking about a hung parliament, including the Greens. So we'll be talking about the dent that that has put in their plans, as well as all the other stuff related to Strata. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. The people most disappointed after the election on Saturday, you would assume, apart from the Liberals, were the Greens, because they were hoping to have the balance of power. Mm, And how does that make a difference to Strata? Well, they were hoping to push through a change of policy on rentals uh, to Mm. ban no-fault evictions. Absolutely. And were Labour not on side with that? I don't, well, it's hard to tell what Labour were on side with and what they weren't because their first focus was to win the election. Mm, sure. And they didn't want to scare the horses with any talk of, you know, no fault evictions being banned, anything like that. For anybody who doesn't get what a no fault eviction is, at the moment in New South Wales, all you have to do is give a tenant notice that you are planning to end their lease. And Victoria, for instance, you have to have a reason for mm. doing that. Like you were selling the property or you wanted to renovate or, or you move, to back, move in. back in. Yeah. yeah, and there are penalties for people who, if if you gave that as a reason and the tenants challenged it and, and went to tribunal and they was then discovered that you'd been lying to the tribunal uh, when you said that was your reason, then there were very s- severe penalties. Um, and it has been noted by some people that the result, because you can still have a no-fault eviction in the first term of a lease, like it gets to the end of the lease, you can say, okay, we don't want to continue this lease. In Victoria. In Victoria. Right. So and and so people are saying, well, that, what that happens is it means people are getting kicked out after six mm. months of every lease. And it's interesting because I think the property industry in New South Wales particularly kicked up at the idea of no-fault evictions because they were saying, oh, it's real anti-landlord legislation. Mm. It really limits what landlords can do. Mm. Well, it certainly does limit what landlords can do if landlords just want to get rid of tenants just to hike up the rent to take advantage of rent increases, really, yeah. perhaps, yeah. you know, with tenants who maybe wouldn't be able to afford such massive jump. Yeah. But really, you know, there are a third of people in this country who rent – and suddenly they're being chucked out of their homes, you know, after maybe six months or maybe after a year or sometimes after 10 years mm. with no reason whatsoever. I think there has to be – I think the no-fault eviction thing is a bit of a blunt instrument. I think it's the one thing everybody shakes their head in horror at the very mention of the words, but there has to be some kind of rent control. And I think the government has to be able to say to, to landlords – Look, yeah, you can put the rents up, but by no more than the mm. CPI. 
Because at the moment, it, it's open slather, isn't it, really? Yeah, they're going crazy, absolutely crazy. And you can kind of, if somebody challenges your rental increase, um, you can say, well, is a similar rent for a similar property in a similar location? Yeah. And if, you know, someone takes you to NCAT or VCAT, you'll lose the, the case only if you can't prove. That other, it's a reasonable rent, yeah. yeah. And that could mean a 10% increase, 20% increase. We've Absolutely. seen some 50% increase in some areas because of rents getting completely out of And if you have every every property in your area is going up all the time, then it's there's going to be no argument against a rent mm. increase. I get a lot of emails from people saying, oh, my rent's being put up by you know, 15%. I thought the limit was 7% or 10%, whatever. You, well, no, there isn't any limit. The limit is what is a reasonable rent for a similar property in your area. And if yeah. everything else is going up, then yours is probably going to go up too. Is that fair? Well, it's exploitative and it's all part of this problem we have in this country where rental properties are seen as primarily as an investment tool rather than a way of accommodating people. Mm, people's homes. Yeah, and mm. so un- until we can shift that view of rental properties to something more akin to housing people mm. and with the opportunity for people to make some profit on their investment, I mean, if there was no benefit in investing in property, then people would just put the money into stocks and shares and the, the, the property wouldn't be there. And that's what we've seen. One of the problems now with such a big housing shortage for renters is that because of the um, interest rates going up, a lot of investors kind of came out of the property market. So there are a, f- a lot less mm. homes for rent available. Yeah. I mean, it's so weird. There's so many moving parts in that uh, equation. You know, you've got negative gearing as well is a significant factor in it. But build-to-rent hopefully will kind of even the playing field a little bit, even though, I mean, there's a lot of build-to-rent projects in the pipeline. So at the moment, they're kind of a, a really tiny fraction of the rental market, but mm. they are a steadily growing percentage. So hopefully that will help um, make it a lot fairer for a lot of renters as well, mm. um, because rents aren't able to go up hugely as properties. They're only allowed to go up by CPR. Mm. CPI, well, that, but that's fair enough. I mean, I think the, the government could step in and say, look, we're in a, a, a crisis and for the next two years, rents can only go up by the amount that your mortgage has gone up by. Mm. Right? Which should mm. be fair. So, yeah. so if your mortgage has gone up by 5%, then okay, you can put your rent up by 5%. That seems to make perfect sense mm. to me and is very fair. But we are so scared in this country of doing anything that sounds even vaguely like socialists or socialism that people are always trying to find workarounds for these things when there are some mechanisms that would work perfectly well. Mm. Just looking at the whole point of a new government coming in, I was thinking about the, the last time strata law got changed, which was in 2015. And that was at the beginning of the Liberal government's second term, right? So they'd spent their first term looking at strata law and thinking what needs to be done to fix it. And it took them four years to come up with Hmm. a plan, but it was a radical reform of strata law. I think the new government needs to start right now looking at the current strata law and looking at it in the context of how we all live and how many people are moving into apartments and things like that and start reforming or start looking at the reforms that need to be made so that they've got something ready for 
maybe hopefully before the next election that they can put through a parliament that changes the strata law in the ways that it needs to be changed. Mm. And let's hope the the Labour government, kind of the new Labour government, see strata as as important as the last Liberal. It's good there. We had a couple of real main players, people like... Anthony um, Roberts, Victor Dominello. Um, And they were really kind of quite committed to improving strata. And I think they realised how important strata was. I think they so also realised how bad it was yeah, that they'd absolutely. inherited from the previous Labour yeah, regime. Sure. But hopefully the Labour government will continue to work on improving the situation and kind of, you know, look at what the Liberal government has done and look at the inquiries they've held and look at all the reviews that, they, that have taken place and start acting on the basis of those rather than sort of starting all over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it takes forever. It's not that bad. It's not that bad that it needs a complete rewrite, no. but there are areas that need attention. And, and presumably they're going to be on side with David Chandler as well and his work. Hopes. Well, they've said as much. Mm, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk about the areas that they could be looking at uh, to improve things without having to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. That's after this. Jimmy, what do you see as the big challenges of starting? Right. I think it's as much, I mean, it's one of these things that you get from management handbooks on how to be a millionaire and stuff, but the challenges are actually opportunities. And um, One of the first challenges we see is the shortage of rental properties compared to the demand for rental properties. And one of the areas that this government has steadfastly refused to look at is Airbnb and the other short-term holiday rentals. This is an opportunity. Um, And I know that at this point, the probable new customer Services. Uh, Customer Services Minister Yasmin Catley. In the past, she's been quite outspoken about Airbnb and its effects Mm. in her areas. And uh, hopefully she will continue to uh, see where the problem lies there. Even just looking at the issue, which, as I say, the previous government just refused to do. Mm. They brought in the, the register and all the rest of it. We've been looking at what they're doing in Scotland, which is to require licenses for all the Airbnb places, which means they all have to comply with local planning laws. And that just puts most which of them... Which isn't unreasonable, is Not at all. Really? The planning laws are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it allows local authorities to control the number of properties that are being used for holiday lets in their area, which is surely the way it should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a case of one size fits all. And also making sure that they're safe for people to go and stay in yeah. the proper fire regulations. Yeah, I mean, and it's all very well. They brought in this thing saying that if you've got an Airbnb, or and, and I'm using that as a generic term, um, you must have these notices on your bedroom doors and, uh, you know, you must have fire and smoke alarms and heat sensors and whatnot. Well, who's inspecting that? Mm. Nobody. There's no money in local government to go and inspect that. There's no money in this being put in by the state government to put inspectors in. It's all done on trust. And the thing about Airbnb and the way people who use it a lot is that there's an element of collusion there. You know, it's like the people who turn up and they say, oh, we, we're here's the building that you're going to be staying in. And the host meets them outside the building and says, actually, it's this building next door, but we're not allowed to have Airbnb. Yeah. You know, and, mm. and the Airbnb guest will go along with that, provided the property is in reasonable nick and, you know, mm. they're comfortable and they're not getting harassed. 
So there is an element of collusion between the guests and the hosts. So the guests are not going to write to the council and say, oh, I checked into this place and there was no escape map on the the door of the bedroom. It's Mm. that kind of thing that it sounds like it's all cosmetic, basically. This, This whole registry thing is purely cosmetic. It makes the government look like they're doing something when they really don't want to do anything. I mean, it's a good idea in principle, having a register. I mean, it's oh, kind yeah. of similar to being a license, to license, but it just means it has to be enforced, really, I suppose, yeah. and it's and just not being done. Well, nobody's, there's nobody to inspect it. There's no desire to create an inspection re- regime, and it's all done on a grace and favour basis, that if you if you have a really bad experience, it's one way that you can get back at the host, but for the people who live around that those places doesn't make any difference difference. Mm. so that's something that they really need to have a a good hard look at and look at the numbers you know it's it's been proven beyond any doubt that where there is a lot of airbnb residential rents go up disproportionately they don't need any other argument for that and that it leads to a real hollowing out of our cities, which is mm. horrible. Mm. You know, so local people can't afford to live there anymore. Yeah, people who perform the essential services of cities can't live there. They live miles and miles out. Yeah, have to commute in. And when the public transport system is seems to be failing visibly oh, in Sydney at the moment, um, that's that's really hard. It was kind of ironic, I suppose, or maybe emblematic that while the Liberal government was being voted out of power. The trains in Sydney just ground to a halt. And <laughs> everybody on some lines were being taken to Lidcombe and then Thrown told to the walls. Yeah, got told to get off, get off the train. It's and not going any further. Make their own arrangements. Make their like, own arrangements. What do you do when you're stranded? So there was no buses. Nope. Um, and you can imagine that the Uber surcharges were going through the the roof. Uh, mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, it was. Uh, it's one of the things I'm sure Premier Minns will be looking at this morning is what am I going to do about this transport system? Sure. Because it's, it's really falling apart. Absolutely. What else do you see? I think this government has an opportunity to fix the relationship, or should I say non-relationship, between fair trading and the tribunals. Mm. Tribunals are getting clogged with cases that shouldn't be there. Mm. And the tribunal was set up as a low-cost option for people to resolve their problems. And it was supposed to be basically lawyer-free. And that very, very quickly fell apart. Mm. And while it's still in the the documentation, it says you can ask to have a lawyer. And, you know, the other party, if you ask for a lawyer, they can ask for a lawyer. The fact of the matter is people are turning up without lawyers and or asking if they can have lawyers, and the members are saying, please get one, because the members of the tribunal are tired of having to explain strata law mm. to people who turn up. Partly their dispute is because they didn't understand strata law. Mm. And, you know, they feel that they're being hard done by, but the other party is saying, well, look, there's, that's what it says in the law. So, mm. yep. but they don't believe them because they're in conflict with them. Mm. This is something that should be sorted out at fair trading, mm. where there should be a mechanism in fair trading geared towards getting a resolution rather than a definitive answer. Yeah. Fair trading is geared towards sitting two people down and getting them to agree to disagree, mm. yeah, which is fine. Up with some kind of solution mediated. Yeah, but, you know, and that's fine for 
some situations, but there's a lot of situations where people just don't understand that they are on the wrong side of the law. And to have to go and hire lawyers and go to the tribunal to get somebody to tell them what they should have known before they even set foot in the place is a ridiculous waste of time and money for everybody. There has to be a middle stage where they can go and somebody can say, hey, look, you are in the wrong here, as far as we can tell. If you want to go ahead and take it to a tribunal, that's fine. But bear in mind, you've been told you're probably in the wrong, so the costs will be awarded against yes. you. Mm, yeah. Right? So that would make people stop and think before they go off on their bush mm. lawyer adventures at the tribunal. Mm. It's that middle stage that's missing. Now, that used to be, do you remember it used to have the paper adjudication? Oh, yeah, yeah. You'd send in your forms and somebody would flick through them. What happened with that? Well, people were getting their cases rejected with no explanation, mm. right? It was just like they were being told, no, this, this is not valid, you you don't have a case here. And they were getting angry and frustrated because they felt they were being shut out of the system. So that was taken away so that you went straight to the tribunal, which sounded like a – because that's where most of them were going anyway – You'd get the adjudication and you'd say, oh, I've been rejected. Well, I'm going to appeal. So mm. you go. So all it was doing was delaying the inevitable. The process, yeah. What you need is something in the middle that yeah. says, hey, he's right, you're wrong. Either accept it or expect to have the costs against you when you go to the tribunal. Because if the member agrees that you're in the wrong, then the other people can have all their costs paid by you. Mm. And I think that would sort things out. A little panel, a strata lawyer, a strata manager, and a chair of or a former chair of a committee mm. who can sit and just very quickly go through cases and go, well, the law says this. That would Your be a bylaws really cheap safe. and quick option, wouldn't it? And efficient. Absolutely. Mm. And this is the kind of thing new governments should be looking at doing. Mm. Being a bit more innovative and yeah. free thinking. But now they can't do it because I've suggested it and people will say, oh, this government's being run by Jimmy Thompson and we can't have that. That wouldn't be such a bad thing. Well, in my dreams and yours. You could sit in the on the conveners panel. I think I'll be the... Who is that woman? There's a woman going around calling herself the Strata Ombudsman. Mm. I could be her. <laughs> but I could actually have the job. Somebody could give me it if you're listening. Well, that would be good to have a Strata Ombudsman as well, wouldn't it, really? Well, the Strata Ombudsman ombudsman's office could run the dispute panel yes absolutely oh well that sounds great i'll talk to mr mins about this person we've got two mins now haven't we we've got john mins who's the oh yes who's the strata person he's a property services commissioner yep we've got chris mins chris mins chris mins no 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 chris mins is the premier oh Sorry, I've got them around the wrong way. And John Mins is a property services commissioner. <gasps> because John Mins said he was always being confused for Chris Mins, which confused well, yeah, me. <laughs> well, they just have to get rid of him now, <laughs> just or get him to change his name. Um, I wonder if he has minions in his office. Oh, very funny. Okay. Anything else, Jimmy? Anything right. else you'd like to see changed? Things I'd like to see changed include um, the whole thing about embedded networks and contracts being decided at the first AGM of strata buildings. You go into your first AGM. You've got no idea. No. And suddenly the the developer or the building manager is appointed for the the purposes of the first AGM. The strata manager, yeah. 
strata manager says, okay, we've got this great contract here. It means you're going to save a bit more money on your electricity bills or your yeah. your um, internet bills or your sewage bills. Yeah. Um, I recommend that we just sign. Everybody else signs these. these yeah, just, just standard kind of practice. Yeah. So everyone signs and then you get saddled with bills that go up exponentially yeah. and you realise that the reason that the developer and the strata manager have agreed to this is that maybe the building was built on a deal with the developer. That- We've got the infrastructure for free. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And and the strata manager goes along with it because if they don't, They'll lose a contract. They'll lose. They'll never get a contract with that developer again. Yeah. Because strata managers, obviously, they make a big chunk of their money from managing buildings. They also make a big chunk of, of their money from going into new developments and setting up the payment system and the the uh, bylaws and all the rest of it. So, I mean, that's a big chunk of business for them to lose by doing the right thing. And so they sh- that's not a choice they should have to make. Mm. But the simplest thing to do is what they did with strata managers when they changed the law back in 2016, which is to say, okay, you can only have one a contract for one year and mm-hmm. three years at a time after that. Yep, Because right now you can get a building services manager with a contract for 10 years. I mean, who gets a contract for 10 years in any, oh. in any job anywhere? Queensland Department Building to get... Yeah, well, for the 25 Queensland years there. I'm talking about the real <laughs> yeah, world, sure. not Queensland. No, that's right. 10 years is ridiculous. So they need to have – but I think they have to say either all contracts are limited to initial period of one year until mm. you can sort out what the terms – until the committee has been elected. Yeah, and they can get it their head around what's happening with yeah, the new and, building. Yeah, and do the figures yeah. and all the rest of it. Or – you say, and in fact, that would be the way, all contracts mm. limited to one year, but with the incumbent contract holders having a first and last refusal on the new contract. Mm. Yep, that sounds fair. Yep. Yep. So, right, get that done, Yasmin, if you Anything you're else? Is that, is that the whole list? That's, well, that'll do. Yeah, it's not a bad start. Right. Okay. Okay, um, we've given them their... Marching orders. They they know what they need to do. We leave them alone for a couple of weeks and see if they're going to. It sounds like Courtney Husas is going to be the fair trading minister. Yasmin Catley is going to be the customer services minister. And I think Eleni Petanos is still fighting for her seat, isn't she? Fourteen percent swing against her. Ooh. But she had Scomo out campaigning for her. That probably would have helped, would it? Really? It would in that area, Miranda. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm. In the Shire, basically. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, she'll be back. But I, I don't know if she'll have a ministry or a, a shadow ministry. Maybe. No, you never know. She's got really. friends in high places, obviously. Mm. John Barillaro, her mate, whose car she vomited in the back seat of, um, he's gone completely. Mm. And his seat has also gone to labour. Monaro has gone to labour. Yeah. So. Incredible. Big clean out. Mm. Yep. When we come back, we're going to talk briefly about two very prominent and not uncontroversial people who are getting into the property development game. That's after this. Interesting stories over the weekend. Um, Two people whose names are quite known, quite (laughs) well known, um, are apparently, uh, one of them definitely involved in the property development 
in Sydney, in in Potts Point, actually, oh, okay. in the same He's area. The mm. um, one of them is John Ibrahim, who has achieved even greater fame than he had before, thanks to the TV show The King of the Cross. King of the Cross. Mm. And he is talking about developing, is that whole run of buildings there called the mansions on, on Bayswater Road? Um I thought the mansions was the one at the end. I thought oh, well, down the corner. It was like a hotel. series of really beautiful terrace houses. Yeah, big old um, terrace with yeah. huge high ceilings and yeah. big courtyards at the front. Yeah, and previously there've been restaurants or there've been um, nightclubs on the ground floor. Yeah, on the ground floor, and then the low rent, low rent be, rentals up above. Are they? They're yeah. not offices. They're probably some offices of them have been offices. Well. Yeah. yeah, I mean they're kind of underutilized. I think it's fair to say. Mm. I think there's been yoga studios and. Various mm, oh, things right. like that yeah. up there. An F45 there as well. Yeah. So but, Mr. Ibrahim is, uh, owns all of those properties, or one of his companies does, and he is planning to redevelop. I think it looks like from the pictures I've, I've seen, they're keeping the frontage, but they're putting two stories on top. Right. So And, and creating all apartments, I think, luxury yeah, apartments. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. And I think um, already... The local Facebook page for the yeah. area is already kind of organising a counter. Um, yeah, they're, 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 lobby yeah, to, to, yeah. to get it. And how? Stopped. I mean, I, I got to, I got to say, I get a wee bit tired of people who just say no, 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 no. Mm. I mean, we look at that theatre, the the, the old, Minerva, the Minerva theatre. What's happening with that? I think it's still stuck in planning, isn't stuck it? Stuck really? in planning. It's empty. It's underutilised. <clears throat> yeah. And the developers got, plan to, to kind of create a small theatre space there and lots of art spaces. But that's not good enough. Hotel. Yeah. But now but the local people will say, no, no, it should go back, revert to being a big theatre, which is kind of hard. And when you know its area, yeah. it, it's kind of right in the middle of lots and lots of apartments. I mean, nobody's going to be particularly happy about lots of customers coming out all at once at night yep, in yep. little streets where you couldn't well, that's pick coaches an, or that's anything. That's the next just, thing. The uh, same people who are demanding that it be a theatre mm-hmm. We say, oh, don't have a bar in there because it makes people drunk and they're <laughs> noisy when they come out. I mean, look, I want to protect the amenity of areas as much as anyone else, and I love old buildings being repurposed. repurposed. Uh, so from the street front, it still looks like you've got those lovely old arched terraces but behind them, there's modern apartments. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't see anything wrong with I don't see the value in keeping crappy old buildings in a crappy state. Because, mm, like, that's a bourbon and beef state. There's been a huge campaign about that as well. But that's now going ahead. Yep. And that's becoming luxury apartments as well. Yep. And they're retaining some elements of the facade, I think, but not all elements because it's kind of fallen into rack and ruin. So one of the arguments against that development is that there's no provision for affordable housing. I think somebody needs to say, rather than, oh, there's no affordable housing, say, here's a proposal. Here's an organisation that will come in and buy 10 apartments in the building. Obviously, the ones that aren't luxury and rent them out to essential workers, Mm. for instance, at a reasonable rent. And this is the problem. Nobody who's complaining saying, there's no provision for this, is saying, oh, here's a phone number, call these people, because mm. they can do that. And I think property developers, they like to present themselves as being responsible and caring people. When they go into these joint developments, they are looking at, oh, there's a big chunk of my apartments that I've sold already. Mm. 
And it also makes it an attractive proposition for people in the area to be able to go and live in a luxury apartment, but to be able to say, hey, we've got lots of fireys and police officers and nurses and people like that in our building. So it becomes a real community, not yeah. just, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, people from the same demographic. But this, this thing, this knee-jerk of saying, no, 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 you can't do it because you haven't done this, well, come up with a solution. Mm. Don't just sit there saying no and expect people to fix it. Sure. I mean, sometimes people will complain and then the developers will come back with a better design and that that's part of the process. Mm. That's a good Mm-mm. thing. Um, maybe they haven't kind of explored all options. Well, that's the, I think that's the likely the likeliest thing. And there's also sure. the ambit claim, you know, that you know, you this building is going to be five meters above the permitted height for that area. Okay, well, obviously they'll go in and say, oh, okay, we'll take that five meters down, mm, and yeah. they, but they still get their development in. Sure. And who's the other developer coming to the well, eastern suburbs of Sydney? According to the, the Sydney Morning Herald. Uh, this morning, uh, Jamie Packer has arrived back in Sydney and he's got his eyes on a redevelopment, an apartment redevelopment in Potts Point. Wow, I wonder which one that one is. Well, is he on the on the phone to Mr. Ibrahim, maybe? <gasps> I don't think so. <laughs> I that might... would be kind of an interesting collaboration, wouldn't it, really? Very Can powerful. you imagine David Chandler going along and inspecting... <laughs> Developments. I think I'd love to be a fly on the wall there. I have never met Jamie Packer, James I've, I've Packer. I've shared a lift with him. I have. He takes up a lot of room. Yeah, he does. Um, I have met John Ibrahim many times, and I just think I actually I'd love to be the fourth person at a table with David Chandler, James Packer, and John Ibrahim because that would be the most entertaining conversation you're ever going to hear. Because <laughs> in many ways, they are very similar people. They get things done. That is, yeah. that is, and, and I'm not, that is not a slight on any of their characters, but they have a clear vision and mm. they, they push and they know when to push and they know when to pull back. And uh, that's why they've all been very successful at what they've done. Sure. It's kind of interesting with James Packer, though, because you kind of think he would be interested in a really big development, you know, or when you look at yeah. Barangaroo, yeah. Um, and you kind of think, I wonder if there's an, a big old apartment building in Sydney, in the eastern suburbs that he's looking at redeveloping completely, mm. or whether it's maybe... Like the Piccadilly Hotel. Yeah, like the Piccadilly which Hotel. Has which has been lying empty for years and years mm. and years, and yeah. and it's on a prime site on Victoria Street, um, it backs down onto uh, Broome Street, I think. Mm, in There's yeah. a lane down there. It's a big site, um, iconic frontage, which would probably have to be retained because it's, it, and I hope it would be, beautiful Art Deco frontage, mm. but it's just lying dormant at the moment. Yeah. And uh, that would, if I had squillions of dollars and I wanted to be a property developer, that's where I would be putting my money. But presumably the site <clears throat> is problematic because why hasn't it been developed before? I think there's been a number of development applications put in, but they've right. all been rejected. Oh. And it's hard because it's in a suburban street, a residential street, so right. it's got next-door neighbours in houses. Yeah. So um, there, I think there, there might, there be, might a, be some issues There might be a height there, restriction really. on mm. that as well, which makes it not worth developing unless you do it in a very clever and inventive way mm. and include a fair chunk of affordable housing, <laughs> I would say. All right, I think we've sorted out. We've given them an agenda, we've sorted out, and we've seen some opportunities that are happening for property development. 
I think nobody should be too quick to reject any proposals, whether it's luxury or not. You know, those luxury apartments, somebody moves into a a high-end apartment, they're probably moving from something down the scale. More affordable. And it just has a domino effect. So uh, I don't think we should be just knee-jerk rejecting anything at the moment. And and I think we should give this new government a chance. Mm. I am very hopeful uh, that they're going to come in with some good ideas. We've seen Courtney Hussos around a few Strata events in the past year or so, and uh, I think she's going to hit the ground running. Okay, let's hope so. Let's hope so. All right, Sue, thanks for giving up your time again to come and talk to us on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jimmy. And thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.